Welcome to Unprofessional and Unprepared, our lighthearted weekly conversation about sports, life, fatherhood, and whatever else comes up with no script and no preparation. I'm your host, Jason Gerber, and this week, we question how the tribe chooses to spend its weekends, look at movement at the top of the NFL draft, and break down the best and worst ways to break up. I'm here tonight with two of the best ever. Tommy Burke is back. Hey, Gerbs. Thanks for having me, one. Smiling Chuck Rambaldo is here as well. Yo, Gerbs. What's happening? Not much, buddy. Hey, let's start with you tonight, Chucky. Oh. In a couple of weeks, billions of cicadas from Brood 10 are set to burst forth from the soil after 17 years leading mysterious lives underground. One hypothesis for the reason behind the 13 and 17-year increments for their reproductive cycle centers around the fact that both numbers are prime. The idea is that by popping out of the ground only in prime numbered intervals, periodical cicadas avoid ever syncing up with booming populations of predators, which tend to rise and fall on two to 10 year cycles. By emerging all at once in densities of up to 1.5 million per acre, cicadas manage to overwhelm predators from songbirds to skunks who quickly get too full to take another bite of the buzzing buffet. Also, Some cicadas carry a fungus that turns them into zombies. Chuck, what's your plan for fighting off billions of zombie cicadas in just a couple of weeks? Fire? Are they scared of fire? (laughs) I have no idea. I didn't get that far into the article to find out what their hopes and fears were. Yeah, I'm thinking maybe a flamethrower and barbed wire would keep me safe from the coming cicada apocalypse. (laughs) I don't think barbed wire is going to help, but I think the fire is not a bad idea. I figured you were just going to run. You didn't read the whole article? No, I just tried to hit the highlights of it, buddy. (laughs) All right, fellas, let's go ahead and start our first segment. We'll stay at home, talk some Cleveland sports, and let's start with the Tribe Week Cap. Is that a recap? Do we like Week Cap? Is that pretty good? Sure, why not? Pretty nice. That's slick. Much like real life, things for the Cleveland Indians were moving smoothly during the week, And then the wheels came off once the weekend started. (laughs) Uh, They split a series with the White Sox during the week, and then they went on to lose two of three to the Reds. Uh, One of the low points of the week had to have been getting no hit by the White Sox. And it happened really early in the season. We're only at about 15 games. So I looked it up. And since 1970, seven teams have been no hit twice in a single season. And the poor 2015 Dodgers had it happen to them twice in a 10-day period during that season, which I checked is a record. What do you think about setting the over-under on the times the Tribe gets no hit this season at 1.5? I would probably take the over. I think they. You think it's no going to happen again? I, yeah, I do think it's going to happen again. There are. I know when we talked last week, I said it'd be nice. It'll be nice to see them play real competition, like the White Sox and the Reds. And man, they're really not that good at hitting. So I, I can take that over and feel pretty good about that bet. <laughs> Tommy, what about you? You taking the over, or the under? I'll still go under, but I was not surprised at all that it happened this year. Obviously, if it was going to happen, uh, looking at this lineup, this could have been a good year for a, a no-hitter, possibly yeah. a perfect game, um, which he came very close <laughs> very to, close, except yeah. that slider just got a little too far inside. You know, hey, at least it wasn't a perfect game. It, somehow a, a no-hitter felt better than the perfect game, even though the whole game was just god-awful. I agree. I, I think I'm taking the under just because this has only happened seven times in 50 years. So (laughs) I feel comfortable that even this lineup is going to be able to manage to get one hit in every game for the rest of the season, but we'll see. Who had a good week this week for the Tribe? Obviously, Bieber had a very good week. He had two very good quality starts. Um, I believe became the first major leaguer uh, with his first four starts, 10 plus Ks. Um, Had another 13 today. So, I mean, he he was ridiculous this week. If I were to look at it... Well, you only get one, Tom. You you get one. Oh, I, I you're, you're cutting into Chucky's. Oh, team, I thought man. this was my like thirty minute segment. <laughs> no, no, your thirty minute segment's going to come later. Oh, okay, it's great. in the off the field okay. portion. Yeah, <laughs> it's in the after the pods over portion. Okay, awesome. <laughs> Chucky, who do you think had a good week this week? I'm with Tommy. It's it's Bieber. Period. He had a uh, he's had an unbelievable season so far. Not just a week. Um, ridiculous. Uh, some of those stats with history, right? With Nolan Ryan and the strikeouts yeah. through four starts. So I don't think it gets any better than him this week for the tribe. I think Savali had a good week too. 
don't sleep on Jordan Luplo, who hit 250 this week, hey. uh, which is scorching for Jordan Luplo. And Tristan McKenzie's batting 500 and going to be starting in center field on Tuesday. So things are going well for him. <laughs> uh, Chucky, who had a bad week for the tribe? Logan Allen didn't have a great week. Bowers didn't have a great week, right? Remind me here. Did Naylor have like a great game and a shitty game within like three days? Didn't he go like four for five? Well, he and also, then he cost him a game defensively. Right, yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure he had a really good game and then he had a really shitty game. Uh, I'm going to stick with Logan Allen, though, and maybe Bowers. I feel like Bieber is going to be in the had a good week category every week and Bowers might be in the bad week category every week. Yeah. Tommy, who'd you have for a bad week? I think Chuck hit it head on with Logan Allen is awful. He probably won't get the bad week award very often because hopefully he won't be on the squad anymore. I think he's he does not belong in the starting rotation. He is maybe a spot guy late in a game against a lefty, but he should not be starting. We got to have something better than him as an option. He had a he had a really bad week. I mean, obviously the offense as a whole is always having bad weeks. And we actually were were decent throughout the week till we had our little hiccups against the Reds. But so I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with Logan Allen. All right, I had base running and Ben Gamble for my bad week <laughs> oh, because I already that, forgot about Ben Gamble. No longer with the club in AAA, but the triple play that the Reds turned was entirely based on bad base running. That yeah. was not like the Reds making an amazing triple play. That was terrible, terrible base running by the Indians. Eddie Rosario thought he had them fooled by freezing. If he froze long enough and then broke, they might actually think he went back to to uh, tag up. I'm not really sure right. what, what he was doing over no. there. It was just got off. It was that terrible. was bad base running, and Frank Tursick would have never let us get away with that. <laughs> he would have so, thrown tennis balls at us for at least 20 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> so they finished the week eight and seven. They're in second place. I mean, overall, it wasn't a terrible week, but the, the weekend was a little bit rough until today. Next week, they're coming home. They have the day off tomorrow. Then they have a short two-game set with the White Sox before four straight against the Yankees. So we have a battle for second place at the beginning of the week and then hopefully making the Yankees a little bit more miserable because they're playing badly at the end of the week. So, Tommy, what are you looking forward to next week for the Tribe? Uh, hopefully beating up on the Yankees because uh, I believe I heard today they would. They have the worst record in the American League, which they're, is... Uh, they're in last place in the East for sure. Yeah, and I, I, and I believe uh, my son told me that they are <laughs> have the worst record in the, the American League, which hasn't happened uh, very often. So it would be nice to to get some nice, uh, you know, wins against uh, the Yankees. It seems like it doesn't matter what their record is. We always kind of struggle with them. Yeah. So I'm, I'm hoping that kind of changes. It would be nice to have a, who knows, maybe a sweep of the Yankees would be great. I just want to see some consistency. Maybe let's, let's put some runs on the board and, and give the, the pitchers some support and just see how the week goes. What about you, Chucky? I'm looking and hoping they can raise that team batting average. I think it's hovering around like 207, which is phenomenal. I know they start slow a lot, but it's hard enough watching baseball. But when a team isn't hitting, it becomes almost unwatchable. No matter how yeah. good the pitching is, like you can only see so many great innings and be like, wow, this is super exciting to watch. So <laughs> uh, I'd like to see them raise that batting average just a bit this week. That'd be nice. You know, I'd like to see them score some runs in a way other than hitting home runs. Yeah. Let's actually string some hits together. Let's let's manufacture some runs because the the home run stuff is just so feast or famine. I think I want to see Logan Allen have another start because I'm not sure that I'm as down on him as Tommy is. I mean, I know that he pitched terribly this week, but he had a good spring. He pitched well in his first start. Maybe it was just a rough outing for a young guy, so maybe we could see him come back out and get on his feet and uh, make Tommy eat his words a little bit. That I would really like to see. I doubt it. Um, not, not, a, not a lot of words, because I know that we're working on portion control, but just like a little bit of your <laughs> yeah. Work. Yeah, I don't want to <laughs> eat too many words. <laughs> All right, guys, let's move on from the tribe. And I want to hit something really quick, because I'm starting a new weekly segment, and it's going to be called Cavs versus the Show. Right now, this podcast has published 20 episodes and is deadlocked with the Cavs, who have won 20 games. So there are about four weeks left in the NBA season, which means we know we're going to have about four more shows. And by the end of the NBA season, the day that it ends, I believe, will be at 25. And so what I'm wondering is, who's going to end up with more? Are we going to have more shows, 
or are the Cavs going to have more wins at the end of the NBA season? Man, I think the Cavs may have more wins. I think they're going to get super hot at the end of the year. Um, <laughs> no, uh, that's a tough bet. I feel more comfortable taking the Indians getting no hit again than knowing who's going to have more wins or pods. Tommy, what do you think? I think I'm also going to go with the Cavs getting wins, hoping that you know maybe they get some games against some teams that maybe are just kind of mailing it in at the end of the year, whether they're already in the playoffs or just way out of it, that the Cavs kind of slip in there. And now, you know, Kevin Love's back. He's actually playing pretty decent. And, you know, obviously the guards have always been good throughout the year. They, they've had some close games and actually, you know, uh, maybe gets a 26, 27 wins and we'll be at what, 25 pods. So that's about two wins a week for where they're at. So, I mean, that's a lot of confidence in a team that I don't know if we could go back on the calendar this year and see how many times they won <laughs> more than once in a week, but I don't think it was many. I'm I guess, I guess it's throwing me that this is already coming to an end of a season. I <laughs> getting thrown off by the calendar here that we have already getting to late April. Of course, the yeah. playoffs go on for six months. And it's a shortened season too. They're only playing 72 games this year. Yeah. You're taking pods over calves, yeah. right? I'm on pods over calves. But you control the pods. So what if the calves get hot? Are you going to start doing happy hour pods on Friday yeah. to make well, sure? No, and that's that. That's offensive. That's offensive, <laughs> Charles. No, because we've actually done more than 20 episodes. I'm not counting the, the bonus episodes ah. and the happy hour episodes and stuff like that. So I'm, our normal weekly Sunday night episode, that's what we're going with. I'm not going to start doing, you know, three episodes a week with Tammy just to get stuff on the air because <laughs> the Cavs have gone First on like a 17 should. game win streak. <laughs> I want to hear that podcast, but <laughs> this bit will be back every week until the end of the NBA season. We'll we'll check in from time to time and see how we're doing, but let's move on because there's a, a lot of Browns news to talk about from the past week. A lot of moves on the defensive line. Jadavian Clowney was signed for one year, 8 million with incentives, get him up to 10. Scale of one to seven, one being purchasing Apple stock at 10 bucks, seven being purchasing an Alessandro Sendejo rookie card for $100,000. <laughs> Was the clowny signing a good deal for the Browns? It's almost a one. It's probably like a two, but it's almost a one because you're, you're getting him at eight. He's probably going to make 10 million. That's relatively cheap when you look at his real stats and I know he didn't have a sack last year and I know he's been injured however you're pairing him on the other side with what might be the best pass rusher in the NFL it's going to open it up a little more for him he's great against the run I think if he plays and he stays healthy it's a one uh it's it's a move like I'm far happier than this and if they would have signed JJ Watts I think there's a lot left in uh, clowny compared to him so i'm going with a one and a half i'll split the difference tommy what do you think we can expect from clowny this year i think he's gonna have a solid season you know again i like chuck said you know you got obviously you got miles on the other side we've also improved our secondary and we haven't even gotten to the draft yet so add some more talent hopefully some of these guys that have been injured the last couple of years that we haven't even really gotten to see yet and this defense could be deep and and you know if the if the secondary is also giving the line more time to get in there and and make some plays and you put him on the other side of you know miles which is obviously going to help him this guy's only 28 years old feels like he's been in the league even it longer does. Than that. he's one of those guys right yeah feels like he's been playing for 15 years and he's only been in the league right. since i think he was drafted in 14 right so i mean you know 28 years old you know so i i think it's going to be i think it'll be a solid year for him you just got to stay healthy I, I like the move because it's low money and there's no length to it if he doesn't work out this year, they've lost eight million bucks that they were they had cap space for anyway, and they're not getting any hits in the year after or the year after that to their cap with dead money or anything like that. This looks to me a little bit like one of those moves that the tribe was making in the late nineties, early two thousands, when they would sign like Juan Gonzalez for a year or something like that, mm -hmm. and see what he had left. And sometimes those moves worked out really, really well for them. And they got a great season out of somebody who was, you know, trying to get their career back on track. And that might be what this is for Clowney should add to his motivation. I, I think it's a really good move. I think it just shows that Barry is a smart GM, man. He is building this defense without doing anything like really crazy. He's not going for the big shiny signing. He's not going after like the really big name, high price free agents. He, he's building the team in a really solid way that I think is going to leave them with plenty of flexibility in the years going forward to keep signing and re-signing some of the guys that they need to on the team. So I, I thought it was a good move. As first reported by unprofessional and unprepared insider Joe Vaca, 
The Browns released Sheldon Richardson. Chuck, why did that move have to happen? To save them $11 million. They need money to sign draft picks, which I don't think, I think they have nine, right? So there is no way they're drafting nine players. Uh, either they're moving up or moving back. You know, two months ago, we were talking about how much cap space they have. And now uh, it's not Steelers problems, but uh, you're close. So you need some, you need some cake. You need some freed up money. Tommy, what do you think? Cake sounds good. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, I like... Sheldon Richardson, I, I feel like he's he's given us a couple good seasons, but he's not something that you can't replace. We can either replace that, uh, if not in the draft, still find somebody. Or like Chuck said, you know, you have all those draft picks. You could use that and get another D tackle. But we actually have a, a little bit of depth there. I mean, you know, we'll figure that out in the draft, I think. And if not, you know, you, you find guys that can fill holes. You know, I, I don't think that he was somebody that couldn't be replaced. Okay, so we're up on signing Clowney and we're all kind of okay with Sheldon Richardson leaving these moves all impact what the Browns are doing and you guys are kind of anticipating what my my final question for our segment was going to be we talked months ago when the NFL season ended that they needed to work on the D-line they needed to work on the secondary maybe they needed wide receivers they've essentially upgraded the line and the secondary haven't really done much with wide receiver but I don't think you're getting a top flight wide receiver at number 26, where they pick in the first round. So, Tommy, should they be planning on trading that pick and moving back this year? And would this be the first time the Browns in our lifetime have ever been in a position to trade their number one pick to move back to gather assets instead of <laughs> trading to dive back into the first round and draft a shitty quarterback? I mean, obviously, that, that's definitely an option. And if you want to have, you know, you know, move back, get a couple second rounders. And like I said, maybe maybe you get a D tackle or, you know, somebody is part of the trade. I think it's it's a nice spot to be in that we actually have a team that has some depth and you can just go ahead and take the best player available. Let's see what's there, you know, and if we got something worthwhile and I would assume you would at 26, you know, maybe just go best available. Let's just get whatever stud is still there. Let's keep adding depth because we know on our defense, we keep getting these injuries. So go cornerback, go something, you know, get to where we're uh, we're comfortable at all all areas of our defense. He's pretty much right. It's the first time they've drafted from a position of power since before 1999. You can let it unfold and come to you. Uh, you either take best player available. Um, my guess is maybe some corner depth, probably a corner to play since it's it's amazing what Andrew Barry has done in a short amount of time, basically in, in two seasons to rework the entire offense last year. And then he goes, oh shit, let me work rework the defense yeah. this year. He so, was watching the same game we were. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, so I can see him do a bunch of different stuff. I think if a corner's there, they take a corner, but maybe somebody wants to come up and snag somebody and, and they move back because like I said, it's the first time and since I can remember that I don't see a glaring need on draft day. There just yeah. isn't right now, especially at 26. If it was a top 10 pick, okay, cool. But at 26, roll the dice, see what happens. Best guy available, trade back or you know, take a corner. I think I'd be open to seeing them move the pick and trade back because I'm not sure at 26 you're getting that franchise changing type of talent that you get at the top of the draft so why not load up because they've done well in some of those middle rounds two three four rounds load up on some picks like that if somebody's willing to give them to you and keep building the the team at that level we'll see it's really nice to be in a spot where we actually get to have this conversation yeah. because this is a first. I don't think it's happened yeah. in our lifetimes. No. It doesn't mean we have to move back that far either. It doesn't mean that because we're trading right. 26 pick, we're getting a third round, you know, this or that. I mean, maybe you get a player and, and a pick or somebody just really is desperate to get to move up and, and get somebody. And maybe you're only moving to early second round or just back a couple of picks and you get right. something else in return. So, yeah. All right, fellas. Well, with that, We'll close out our discussion on the Browns and Cleveland sports. We'll take our first break and then we'll head out on the road. Unprofessional and unprepared is brought to you by the Matt Miller School of Driving. Are you tired of driving like everyone else? Tired of the mainstream media and big transportation censoring your freedom to drive how you want? Are you ready to take your driving to the next level? Then you need the Matt Miller School of Driving, where exit ramps are on ramps where the lines for parking spots are aspirational only, and where yellow lights mean slow down or time to act like an American. The Matt Miller School of Driving. 
protecting freedom of expression on the roads since 1993. Welcome back, fellas. Let's go ahead and start our second segment and go out on the road. Let's talk about the NFL draft. And instead of talking about moving back, let's talk about moving up. Tommy, who do you think maybe trying to make a move into the top 10 or maybe even the top five to go after a quarterback or to go after somebody else in this year's draft? Well, Gerbs, you're uh, you're expecting me to know a lot more than I th- really do. Let's see. Who would want a quarterback and go Think of teams five? who have shitty quarterbacks right now. I mean, <laughs> can know, I give you a hint? Steelers <laughs> are going to need a quarterback, you know, because Roethlisberger obviously is not going to be there much longer. Although they did just go get... Uh, What's his name, didn't they? Um, Dwayne Haskins. Dwayne, Dwayne Haskins, Haskins yeah. yes. Who knows if he's the answer or not. Go ahead. What were you going to tell me? Who who am I <laughs> missing? Patriots, Steelers, yeah. Denver Broncos. Patriots, but the Patriots always, you know, they don't seem to ever want to go ahead and take a quarterback that early. Belichick seems to, you know, he'll be like, oh, let's take somebody, you know, fifth sixth round and i'll i'll make them whatever i want them to be it worked on it worked with brady so it'll yeah. work again so uh, you know i don't who knows um you know i don't i don't see him belichick ever being a guy that's going to trade up and say yeah i need to get that quarterback in the top 10 picks i'm surprised though by how many quarterbacks are so highly rated that i basically had never heard of before the last couple weeks even the kid out of uh, what South Dakota State, just guys out there that I knew nothing about that apparently are you know in, in good shape to go probably first round maybe or you know second round. So um, I'm surprised by how how deep the quarterback talent is. Really, I'd... I'm really surprised by how truly unprepared you were for that question. I think it's interesting. Shouldn't be that, surprising. I think it's interesting this year that there's a legit shot that the first four picks are all going to be quarterbacks. And that's why I think you might see some of these these teams that don't normally try to move. I think the Steelers and the Patriots are good examples who don't normally try to move, try to get up into those top picks to land one of those four guys. And I looked back over the last 10 years for trades where teams were moving up into the first round to take quarterbacks, and it's a really mixed bag of results. You had teams that traded up that drafted Mahomes and Lamar Jackson, but you also had teams that made moves up in the draft to take RG3, Tim Tebow, Mitch Trubisky, and Jared Goff. And if you go beyond 10 years, you've got moves for Ryan Leaf and Ricky Williams. It's not a guarantee, obviously, that you're going to go ahead and move to take one of these quarterbacks. And you look at the 49ers who moved up to three, and they're keeping Jimmy G. And to get to three, they had to trade the 12th pick in this draft, their first and third in 2022, and their first in 2023. Does it make sense to basically sacrifice two years of your team's top draft picks to move up? Yes, because you don't win in this league, apparently, without a top quarterback. So everything becomes ancillary running backs, wide receivers, not linemen, apparently. I think Joe Burrow will learn that lesson. Uh, (laughs) But uh, yeah, it's the only position that ever matters in the top five. Wide receivers, uh, occasionally, right? Running backs, not anymore. Offensive linemen, defensive linemen, occasionally. It's the only thing people move up for into the top five. I think four is a really big spot. I think the Falcons can move back and somebody could jump up and they could get a King's ransom for that pick. I think the the Niners can also, I, I think it solves two problems. They draft their quarterback and they trade Jimmy G back to New England. Uh, he's familiar there. They know he can win there. It's it's a first year that I'm looking at the draft because the Browns aren't in the top 10 as almost right. like almost like a, a network drama. Like I want to watch it like a like a TV show because I think there there will be some real movement there. But I'm most excited to see what's going to happen three and then four, and that's just what it is. You're willing to bankrupt your future to find the right guy now, and if you don't, you know, like you're, the cycle's over. You're going to lose your job as a GM. The coach is probably going to lose his job, and then we just start that cycle all over again because hey, we lived it here in Cleveland for 20 plus years. I'm glad the rest of the league's catching up. We're at the point now where it's okay to trade an ungodly amount of picks to move up to get the quarterback because that's the only thing that matters now 
in the draft and like, okay, if I've got to trade three first round picks to move up to draft a guy that I really believe is like a franchise guy, I'm okay with it because we'll be good enough with him at quarterback that we won't need three straight years of first round picks. I mean, that's, it's a crazy way uh, that the league has developed, but I, I don't disagree with what you're saying, Chucky. In other NFL news, uh, the players and the owners are in this dust up for the past week about skipping voluntary workouts. From the player's perspective, there's two things going on. They're concerned with COVID and they're concerned with what the protocols are going to be. They're also concerned just kind of the general wear and tear on their body and what it means over the course of the entire season. If the workouts are voluntary, why is this an issue? Yeah, I guess people don't understand the word voluntary because I Last I checked, that means you don't necessarily have to be there. And I, I'm not really sure why that's a big deal. You go back to, let's say, high school and, you know, how'd you show out for your two-a-days and all that other stuff or in yeah. college, the same thing, you know, uh, you got to show that you want to be there and you want to play and, you know, it's voluntary, but if you don't show up for voluntary, that means that you're not a team player and you're not ready to go. It doesn't make any sense. Um, and obviously when it comes to certain players uh, who are, you know, the franchise guys and things like that, nobody's going to care. But if you want to be that guy that that's maybe on the fringe, maybe not going to be necessarily uh, making a team, you, you feel like you're going to you need to be there or else you may not have that chance. So they're, they're, it's not voluntary for certain guys, I would say, because if you actually want to make a squad, you better show that you want to be there. And it's unfortunate for those guys if they actually still have that fear of, you know, what the protocols are and with COVID. So it's it's it just depends on where you are in this situation and what, what type of player you are and, and you know, how the franchise sees you with or without a contract should Sandejo show up for voluntary workouts for the Browns absolutely he should be in <laughs> he should actually be in Berea right now and then back there tomorrow at 5 30 a.m for strength shoes and jobs uh dude, he didn't already get a contract nobody yeah, picked should, him up definitely yet? be there I don't I, I don't think anybody's picked him up yet. I, I meant to look it up today and I didn't but I don't think anybody's picked him up yet <laughs> Hard to believe. Chucky, did do you think that last year, though, proved that all of this time that coaches and management want these players there during the offseason doesn't really mean much? Yes, I do, because I not only in the NFL, but in most people's lives and their jobs, uh, I think you found out through COVID that, hey, man, I could still be productive and not have to be there. I, I, obviously, it's, it's a little different when you're making multi-million dollars and, and uh, the rest of us are living paycheck to paycheck sometimes, but I, I don't think it's as important as maybe the owners think. I think the players kind of took an L with that extra game on the schedule coming up, so this might be them just flexing their muscle a little yeah, bit and saying, hey, that's a good point. we don't need to be there for this. We all know what we're doing at this point. We all have the playbook. We all have Zoom meetings every day, so I don't think it's that big of a deal, if, if, unless it's a I don't think it's that big of a deal if anybody's Tommy. Do you remember seeing any kind of drop off in the quality of play last season after they skipped out on all these workouts and even they didn't play a full preseason, right? Did they play any preseason last no year? Pre-season. I don't even yeah, there was no preseason. No preseason. So we have no off-season workouts and no preseason games. Do you recall seeing a drop off in what you thought was like the quality of the play? No, I didn't notice a difference in the quality of the play. I guess maybe you saw more injuries. I, you know, I don't know. I, I I definitely feel like the the Browns were dealing with a ton of injuries throughout the season, especially on the defensive side. I don't know if that is directly you know related to the fact that they didn't have preseason games. I don't I don't think the preseason games have to do with it, but maybe being at the facility isn't going through what you normally would go through as far as just conditioning and everything else. That maybe that had an effect. But overall, I don't. You know, I. I didn't notice any kind of big difference as, as far as, you know, watching the games going, man, these guys are just fat and horrible and just, you know, it's not, you know, it's not going well. This is a horrible game to watch. No, I don't think it was uh, any, any different than when you, you would normally watch the NFL. So some were fat, some were horrible, but overall it looked pretty good is what you're saying. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't really notice that much of it. <laughs> so I think we, we come down on the player's side of the voluntary workouts both through vocabulary and through the eye test of watching last year's season. Why don't we go ahead and move off from the NFL? And I wanted to hit one more quick NBA point before we take our last break, because I don't know if anybody saw last night's Warriors-Celtics game. Steph Curry is even at a different level for him this season. He had 
a crazy game last night. He made an underhanded three with his left hand while he was being fouled last night. It's the dumbest looking shot I've ever seen in a professional basketball game, but it was incredible. For the last nine games, he's averaging 34.4 points. He's averaging over 30 a game for the season. He has three 50-point games this year. He has seven 40-point games. He has 27 30-point games this season. Tommy, is this the best Steph Curry we've ever seen? I'm not impressed. Um, no? <laughs> whatever. I mean, I've kind of seen it all before. I mean, I, I used to do a lot of this stuff back at the gym, uh, back at NDCL. Which of the uh, stuff? Which which stuff in particular uh, are you I, referencing? I, I used to throw random shots up uh, underhanded after practice, and sometimes they would go in. So I, you know, whatever, <laughs> big deal. Uh, so he did it, you know, with an NBA guy on him, following him. I I had Boomhauer uh, checking me. It, it's 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 fine, you know. I'm I'm happy for him that he's having such a great year. Actually, I can't stand the guy, but from what I've seen, he's actually obviously he's he's been a ridiculous three point shooter and just a shooter overall. I think it's just been one of these seasons where you know the team hasn't been doing very well, although I guess they've been putting some wins together lately. But he's actually just putting on a show right now, and it's 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 crazy. And, and you know, I haven't seen a lot of it, but I just I've, I've read a little bit about it, and it just it sounds like he's just he's doing things that you know obviously nobody's ever done. I mean, he's he's on a another level so the warriors are 28 and 29 after last night's game which even though he had this sick game they lost to the celtics but they are two games out of the playoffs chucky what do you think best steph curry we've ever seen i have to preface this by saying i hate his guts i have of course always, we I all have, do <laughs> i've always hated his guts and i forever will hate his guts when he However, was at Davidson, when he was at Davidson, did you hate his guts? Yes. Didn't like okay. him then either. He looked right. really weird. Um, but I, I can't take away from the fact that all said and done, possibly the best shooter in the history of the NBA, all said and done, single-handedly changed the way kids play basketball. When we were little, hoops went up and down with a stick so we could jam as much as we wanted to because that was the game, right? We were probably following Michael Jordan. I don't think anybody's trying to drop that rim much anymore. They're trying to shoot from the logo or from half court or from uh, as deep as they possibly can. Like he, he, I don't know if he's single-handedly, but he has a huge part in changing the way that basketball is going to be played in the next 15 plus years. So he's been unbelievable. I saw it, but I still, I hate it. I hate his face. I hate his gut so much, but I got to give dude credit. Like, man, you don't have Clay Thompson. Uh, uh, I don't think, right. He hasn't come back no, yet or maybe no, he has. No, um, not for the year again. Like, there's you, you lo- nobody on this team. Yeah, Raymond like, is can't a shoot. shell. Right. Raymond's a shell of what yeah. he used to be. He's got steak on a no subway play. sub though. <laughs> <laughs> he does so, have I mean, that subway guy, money rolling in. That's nice. To me, yeah, it's it's probably the best version of Steph Curry we've ever seen because he's doing it by himself. So, Chuck, you're reading my mind almost all night long. My final Ooh. question before we take our last break is... Why don't you guys make out? <laughs> Chuck, where does Curry, with his current weird beard, land <laughs> on the DeChambeau punchable face meter? Oh, I got to tell you. I hate them both so much. If you line them up next to each other, I don't know who I'd go for first. I don't know who I lunge at to punch. Just that, as punchable. Is that how the is that how the meter works? Yeah. I mean, it's, just, it's a split second decision that you make at the time for who to punch in the face. Are, are both of them wearing those like cabbie hats in the room that I'm going to punch them? Oh, in? Yeah, are they, they wearing those those, those yeah. weird stupid hats? Yes. Does Curry have his mouthpiece sticking up to you know while he shoots his like he shoots his free throws, which annoys the crap out of me. They're both like, chewing on mouthpieces. Like my my <laughs> my left is not nearly as strong as my right, and it's hard to throw both hands simultaneously. But I think that's what I'd have to do. Two hooks, maybe meet them in the middle, so their heads smash together. That would smash. be the best I could do. Can't stand either of them. On that lighthearted note, why don't we take our final break, <laughs> and we'll head off the field. Unprofessional and unprepared is brought to you by the Don't Be a Dick Rules for Dating. Dating has always been tough, but the Me Too movement has some guys even more confused than usual. If you are one of these guys, pick up a copy of the soon-to-be bestseller, Don't Be a Dick Rules for Dating. This easy read is chock full of valuable and important tips to help you in any modern dating situation. Some of the lessons are so easy to understand you might not even need the whole book. Chapter 1 is titled, Don't Ever Send Unsolicited Pictures of Your Junk. This may seem like common sense 
but apparently it's not. For instance, social media is a great place to interact with women and make new acquaintances, but don't send any of your new connections an unsolicited picture of your junk. In another example, you might get a woman's cell number in a social or professional setting. If you do, know this, texting that woman an unsolicited picture of your junk is a truly terrible idea. You may also wonder where email fits in this complicated modern web of communication. Guess what? The rules are the same. Don't email an unsolicited picture of your junk. In fact, when in doubt, err on the safe side. Don't send unsolicited pictures of your junk ever to anyone. It's just that simple. Modern dating has its unique twists and turns, but there are a lot of great ways to be respectful, fun, and cool out there. Unsolicited pictures of your junk will never be one of the ways. If you have any doubt, please pick up a copy of the Don't Be a Dick Rules for Dating. You will appreciate it, and so will everyone you meet. Welcome back, fellas, for our final segment. Let's head off the field, and let's start with a little bit of music. Last Friday... Paris Jackson, daughter of the King of Pop, released a song that she recorded with The Strokes. It's called Low Key in Love. The theme seems to be, I'm in love, but I'm keeping it low key. That's also the hook in the song. (laughs) I would say after listening to it about 15 times today, it's better than the Prince song I had to listen to last week. It sounds a little bit like a not so filthy version of an L King song. Scale of one to 10. One being beat it. 10 being In the Closet, which is a Michael Jackson song that was on the Dangerous album and includes the lyric, just promise me whatever we say or do to each other, for now we'll make a vow to just keep it in the closet. This is a line that doesn't hold up tremendously well for the King of Pop. Scale of 1 to 10, 1 being beat it, 10 being in the closet. Where does this collaboration between... Paris Jackson and the Strokes fall. I'm trying to figure out why the Strokes would go this route. I think the Strokes are doing just fine without having to collaborate with uh, the King of Pop's uh, daughter. Princess of Pop, you can call her. Sure, if you want to. I will put this at a uh, a nine, I think, on your scale, maybe. I, I don't think it's necessary. First of all, I, I don't really get why in today's world um, of music, is there ever a song that you see come up on the radio that doesn't say featuring somebody else Uh, does anybody just do their own music anymore and not feature some random person or can anybody just do a song let's say the strokes have you know like a new single out or something like that and somehow there's a rap in the middle of it featuring you know it's all of a sudden featuring uh like why is there a rap in the middle of your song (laughs) i would love to hear some more ludicrous i haven't heard anything new from that guy in forever (laughs) i think i like that better than the than the paris jackson collaboration that's that's a number one beat it right there uh that's a a beat it collaboration i don't know i just get so tired of hearing like you know they just randomly throw in like these raps and stuff that have nothing to do with the song but just because they want to collaborate and they think it's going to sell more i guess i don't know but i just would rather just hear some that artist do a song and stop featuring people okay so paris jackson and the strokes need to get off of tommy's lawn like right right. now absolutely (laughs) absolutely right now So, Chucky, the Strokes are a New York rock band that draws their influence from Velvet Underground and the Ramones. Why a pop song with Paris Jackson? I don't know, man. Do they owe her money or something? Um, I don't know because I didn't listen to the song. I have have no clue if she has discernible talent or does not. However, first off, number one, one is Beat It, 10 is In the Closet. The problem is I like In the Closet. I think that's a pretty good song. So if I change In the Closet to like Stranger in Moscow, I think I could better gauge this right here. So, (laughs) All right, go uh, ahead. I I accept your (laughs) amendment to my scale. (laughs) Wait, I like Stranger in Moscow. (laughs) It's, it's another, it's hard. I was trying to think of a terrible Michael Jackson song. Tommy uh, loves Russians. <laughs> I do. Me and Putin, uh, we oh, uh, cuddle man. that song. I'm the stranger in Moscow. I don't understand the collaboration. I, I don't get it. I didn't know she wanted to have any sort of musical career. The Strokes have credibility. She does not. So I guess that's why. But as far as if I care about it, I am going towards Stranger in Moscow. I would say give it a listen. It's not terrible. It's not exactly my style, but it's not too bad. And she actually does have a a pretty decent voice. And she has her own album that she released last year as well. She's just kind of like a, she's pretty mopey when she sings. She doesn't have (laughs) Michael's 
flair for pop music. She's a little bit more on the sadder crybaby side of music. She's more Tito or Jermaine Jackson than Michael. I don't Ray- know. Randy. I don't know. <laughs> trying to think of any brothers other than <laughs> yeah. uh, so it's not as bad as you think but enough of paris jackson and the strokes in celebrity romance news j-lo and a-rod broke things off last week i thought it was hilarious because the press release that they jointly put out said that they had agreed that they were better <laughs> off as friends who do you think broke up with who <laughs> definitely think j-lo broke it off with a-rod because why wouldn't she yeah um because i didn't i never never understood why she would want to be with him in the first place but actually that could go both ways uh, i i'm assuming both of them are just giant pains in the ass so i, I would have to definitely uh go with j-lo dumping him but also go with i don't give a crap about either one of them where does we are better as friends rank in the all-time bad breakup lines it's got to be top five considering neither of them probably wrote that their publicist did two gigantic self-absorbed tw- of them my guess is my guess is a rod a rod said to j-lo pack up your shit baby we're moving to minnesota and she said i'm out uh it's a, i think it, that's a top three we're better as friends uh, only to be superseded by it's not you it's not you it's me yes it's me. It's number one right no actually you guys are wrong. I feel like we're better as friends is actually number six ahead of. So where do you think this is going? And behind, I feel like we're in just, we're just in different places. That's a good one. Number 10 is it's not you. It's me. 10. No way. Wow. I'm not sure. I I pulled this ranking off of the internet, so I'm not really sure how they calculated these, but this is the ranking that I have. I can tell because you're reading these. Yeah. (laughs) I didn't memorize them, Tom. Um, Number one is I'm setting you free, which is a shitty way to break up with somebody. Now for some real fun. Have you ever used a line like this or has one been used on you? And to break the ice, I'm going to go first. Only time I've ever used a really terrible line to break up with somebody was our senior year of high school where I broke up with a girl because I told her I wanted to focus more on baseball for our senior season. (laughs) (laughs) Later in life, I had a girl break up with me and she told me I was the reason she was breaking up with me was because I was too much maintenance at gatherings. She did that with an email. Back when email wasn't that prevalent, (laughs) so that that one stung a little bit. I had a girl break up with me. Uh, We took a trip together for a weekend to Memphis, and it was this great trip. We went to Graceland. Uh, We spent like an afternoon kind of bar hopping down Beale Street, listening to music, and then it just kind of seemed like she was acting strange, and I'll never forget it. I kept on asking her, like, what's going on? Like, acting strange. And she finally turned to me and said, do you really want to break up while we're on vacation? And I told her, well, I think we just did. And then we had to go to the airport together the next morning. We had to fly back to Cleveland together that day. I had to drive her back to her oh, apartment no. Oh, no. all after we had broken up. Oh. So Chucky, give us a breakup story, buddy. I have a really good one, actually. It's, it's probably better than most people's, and you might be familiar with it if you're part of the circle of friends. So <laughs> may or may not have dated the same person off and on for about eight plus years. Uh, <laughs> Totally in love. Uh, and then one day um, get the call and it's, uh, I don't feel the same, which is probably in that top 10, I'm assuming, right? I would hope. Um, number nine is, I feel like we've grown apart as people. Is that close enough? Close enough. All right. So okay, n- number number nine on the list is the, the, I don't, I don't feel the same. And I can remember thinking to myself, this isn't, this isn't right. This just doesn't feel right. Something's not right here. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, long story short, it was then four years later, right? That's. That girl became a lesbian and was a lesbian at that point. And it would have been way easier to process and move past if she just would have went, hey, I'm a lesbian. I don't feel the same. (laughs) I guess she was somewhat truthful. She didn't truly feel the same. What about you, Tommy? My story is right there with Chuck's. Um, Every every girl I dated before my wife became a lesbian. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. It's, um, (laughs) you know, it was rough. But, you know, but they flat out just said... um, uh, I, I don't like you. Um, you're a man. And uh, I don't actually have any real good stories like you. Like, I don't, it, mine were just normal, stupid breakups. Nothing interesting. It was nothing, you know, like, it's not you, it's me, which is, you know, the great Seinfeld thing. I, I yeah. didn't have anything really interesting happen. It was just, it, it, it didn't work out. And it was women telling me, uh, you know, you, you suck and, you know, you just move on. 
I suppose it was probably better for you at the time. Although, you know, 20 years later, you miss out on some of these good stories that we can laugh at now. But um, none of my breakups felt good when they happened. I can promise you that. Yeah. <laughs> but let's move on off of that topic, move on to something happier. Tommy, how's the weight loss going this week? Uh, it's been going fine. I, at like 36 and a half. So, you know, like a pound and a half or so. It's been good. You know, just doing the same thing and plugging along. It's cool that it's still working out for you, that you're kind of back on track and losing some weight, getting ready for the summer. And I, I heard that you're releasing your new line of Burke all occasion speedos, including the tribe inspired banana <laughs> hammock for the ball game. So go ahead I, I and, and take a minute and plug your stuff. Where can people get your all occasion speedos? You, you can go to oceanpacific.com. Um, <laughs> I took that, uh, wow. that site over cause I used to love those so much. Ocean Pacific was obviously uh, a big part of my childhood and so yeah you can get your banana hammocks there all just all kinds of stuff uh and your men's grooming stuff too because when you're going to go out there you want to make sure oh, um, for sure that's don't, key, right don't, don't be crazy hairy out there it's just not, it's gross get that banana hammock going but groom also oceanpacific.com <laughs> in order to get husky you must have had to trip into some bad habits uh, what habits do you think are good ones that that you're changing with your health that you think you're going to be able to keep long term? Uh, no, there were no bad habits. It was uh, it just kind of happened. I actually was always healthy and ate healthy, and I just somehow got fat. I, I don't know. God cursed me. Um, no, the habits I have changed is uh, obviously you got to stay active, but I've I've just had you know horrible back problems that have kept me from being as active as I used to be. And I, I mean, I used to play softball every year and everything. And, and, and then I had a, uh, an injury during one of the, the softball seasons where they think I have a hernia disc and I still haven't gotten it completely uh, analyzed or, you know, diagnosed. And so I just, I've dealt with the horrible back pain. And so I just haven't been as active and it, it's crazy to go from being able to play softball every year and being, you know, and, and doing those things to just running just doesn't even feel right. You, you know, I get basically where it's, you know, the nerve, it, it, it goes down the leg. I get the pain down the leg and it actually goes numb to where you don't, you like almost don't even feel your left leg. You know, it's very frustrating when you're somebody that's, you did play sports all your life and, yeah. you know, you kind oh, of did sure. all that kind of thing. And then it all of a sudden you just, even just running for you know a short period, or in my case, even just taking walks has been frustrating i get a lot of lower back pain stuff like that so so now it's just you know trying to eat right and um trying to be as active as i can but i do need to uh get back to the doctor and try to figure out what the heck is going on and you know if it's surgery or whatever it is then i gotta try to get back to some kind of normal life very annoying not to to be able to do a lot of those things yeah yeah for sure Chucky, lift Tommy up because he sunk down a little bit here with his story. Be his hype, man. I say this. I say this almost every time I'm on the pod and I get an update. Tell Tommy how, how proud I am uh, of him. 36 and a half pounds is, is no joke. And with the pain you deal with, because it's the first time I've heard you actually talk about numbing and and it sounds like i'm not i'm not kidding like my mom has that same issue right where her disc in her back and she never wanted to get checked and and it numbs her whole leg so she's gotten some cortisone and, and it's worked at times but it got so bad for her she thought it was her knee when it was actually her back i'm super proud of you i, I know it's it's habit based if you're doing the push-ups if you're walking if you're biking uh if you're on an elliptical one day one day you trot it just i hope it gets easier for you man and, and anything that that we can I'll do as a group uh, to keep you motivated and inspired. I'm I'm all for that. Unless you go up without announcing to everybody, you're going to exactly. start doing more fucking push-ups. If you go to 175 without asking if it's okay or cool, I'm going to be so fucking yeah. pissed. Man. That's I threw it I out there, but I, I said I was doing wall push. I'm like, it's stop going up. I'm doing the wall push-ups. It's different. I want to be supportive, but I'm not going to go so far to say as I will do anything. Because no. I'm getting, God, I'm getting, no. I'm getting sick of all these damn push-ups. Yeah. I don't. I I'm sure you are. We I, owe you, I owe Tommy twenty-five more. No, I still have twenty-five <laughs> more to go. You guys should all stop. It's it's fine. I'll be I'll be okay. I'll keep going. It'll no, be you're all right. Tom, you can't do it without us. And you. Know. All right. Well, right. I, yes. All right. All right. <laughs> Just don't, just don't make us do more, man. That's all we're asking. I'm not making you guys do any of them. <laughs> Lord knows I am not making you guys do anything. <laughs> all right. <laughs> uh, the Lord knows that we are out of time. Yes. I am out of questions for now. Have a great week and let's get together and do this again real soon. All right, boys. Thank you. Good night.
Tommy, was the uh, was the game at the Jake as cool as you hoped it would be, other than the outcome, obviously? Yeah, I mean, obviously the outcome was pretty pretty bad, but no, it was. I wish it could have been about twenty five degrees warmer, but other than that, it yeah. was. Uh, I mean, got to be something to see your boy playing to hear yeah, on the field. To watch, man. Yeah, to watch him play out there, but also just you know, go up to the plate, have his name announced uh, at at progressive oh that's cool it's super cool what's the like what's the nicest field we ever played on that's i was trying to think like we never had that opportunity like what's the nice kraken the one at euclid was the only one we ever played at that had an announcer right i think that's the only time anybody's ever announced like my name and number when i went out to the field or something euclid euclid always has or had good facilities definitely never played anybody is or any place nothing close to progressive yeah Yeah. no yeah And I still call it the Jake. I know. I don't even care. I get caught care. doing that too. Flo can come and find me and <laughs> right. do it to me. <laughs> Doesn't sound too bad, actually. I don't understand how one bad start has you shitting on Logan Allen. This yeah, week. I'm not shitting on Logan Allen either. Sucks my balls. All right, watch his next. He's young, like you. I mean, yeah, you're talking but, about. What, but what you're, what are you, what makes him so shitty? Yeah, I don't like what what he's throwing up there. I don't think he has anything special that he's throwing. When you said you talked about Bieber, Tommy, and you said you know like he he had a rough first or second inning and kind of worked his way out of it. You have to remember, like Logan Allen doesn't have that experience, even though Bieber's only like 25. Right, he doesn't have ton either. I just think Logan Allen, it's you know like he's yeah. he's very young. Um, right. And, and to work out of that and then still eat up four or five innings after you shit the bed yeah, comes along. So I'm not, I'm not ready to give up on Logan Allen just yet. Hey, that's fine. Everybody calm down. I'm not, you know, I, all right. I understand everything you're saying when yeah. we're talking about Gummel, um, yeah. because that dude didn't belong on a major yeah. league roster. I'm not so sure I see the same thing with Allen yet. Um, well, I would love to but, be wrong. It's a lefty starting pitcher yeah. hopefully it's, yeah he's very good <laughs> yeah i would love to be incredibly wrong on that well i hope he makes that happen yes because i would like for you to be incredibly wrong about that too that's fine for for a lot of reasons yes but I mostly because it makes me feel good about myself yeah. <laughs> yeah. i think for the first time in my life i used an entire tube of toothpaste like I squeezed it until there was Did you roll it? Left. I rolled it and Never then even it. like the rolling didn't work. I had to squeeze from the bottom, and then at the very yeah. end, you kind of squish like the top of it down, and you can find yes. a little bit more. Oh, yeah, 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 sure. Yeah. I'm really good at that. So did you did you do the whole flatten and push towards the top, <laughs> then roll and then squeeze towards the top, and then it shoots right out? Yeah, but I feel like that was <laughs> like a month ago. And somehow I've still been able to like squeeze like a little bit out of it, a little bit. And I think this morning I felt like this is it. This is it. Yeah. This is the last of the toothpaste. Yeah. This is maybe. the last of this Aquafresh. I've saved my family. Yeah. Probably maybe, like twelve dollars. <laughs> do you still have the tube or is it do you throw it out? No, I got it. Cut I got that it. thing, cut that thing open and send me a picture. Yeah. I want to see what's left. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Bronze that thing. Like I operation. Know. Like I, I want to know what's inside that thing. <laughs> going on these.